We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome into the Fantasy Football Mailbag, a Rotoviz podcast. This is our June 18th episode, and as always, we are dedicated to answering all of those fantasy football questions. I'm your host, Mike Randall. You can find me on Twitter at Randall Rand, and today we have one of the favorites here at the Mailbag, Marcus Mosier, joining us to break down the landscape of the entire fantasy football world. He is the managing editor at the Raiders Wire, host of Locked On Cowboys and Locked On Dynasty, and doing fantastic work now for the Game Day NFL and bookies as well. You can find him on Twitter at Marcus underscore Mosier. Marcus, always a pleasure to have you here, man. Thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Mike. This is one of the uh, the podcasts I look forward the most all offseason long to doing. So I'm excited to, to jump into it. Same for me, man. And, you know, it's great. We've had you on in the past in Rotoviz for our old team preview series that I did with Colin Kelly and Neil Dutton, so many great guys. You would come in to talk about the Cowboys or you would preview the NFC East. And now you've grown. You're a regular here on the mailbag talking about fantasy football. You're working across the country, different sites doing great stuff, game day NFL. Great stuff on Twitter. Love following you. Get the video clips and stuff. So just talk about how things are going and how you've evolved in your career to this point. Yeah, things are going really well. Now, it's it's busier than ever, but that's good, right? Like, we like to stay busy, uh, not only doing NFL stuff, also doing NBA stuff over at the game day. But uh, I've been very blessed to have a lot of opportunities to do a lot of different things between, you know, regular betting stuff and game previews and fantasy football and Dynasty and Cowboys and Raiders. I mean, I, it's incredibly busy, but it's a, it's a blessing. Marcus, you are one of the best in the breakdowns. You can look at it from a specific lens. You can also talk about it in terms of videos and players. So I can't wait to dive in. And I want to start with the Dallas Cowboys. Yes, of course, right? Yeah, of course. That's where I got to begin. So many questions for you and a really compelling team here as we move into 2021. Fantasy football fans coming back, COVID behind us in the rearview mirror. I want to start with the big guy, Dak Prescott. He was on a historic pace last year before getting injured in that Giants game, that gruesome injury. I'm hearing that he's all the way back, but he is really, I think, a value in fantasy football if he's anywhere near where he was before that injury. So talk about the Dak Prescott injury and the update where he's at right now. I mean, if you saw him at practice right now, you'd have no idea that he wasn't injured ever. I mean, he looks like he's 100%. He looks healthy. He looks fantastic. Uh, I think he's been I think he's been incredible in OTAs and minicamp so far. I don't envision anything being a problem at all. Uh, I think he's going to be just fine this year. This offense is going to be absolutely incredible. Uh, I think there might be a little bit more of a hesitancy for him to take off and run, but he's still going to be just as efficient as a passer as ever. And now we look in the running back situation. Zeke Elliott, certainly solid. I put something out on Twitter, though, yesterday – you saw your video out about Tony Pollard and sort of jumped on top of it. I just think that contract, Mark, because they were backed into a corner. He had the holdout. Yeah. But that it's really support for me of Tony Pollard. Are we going to see him more on the field? So many weapons there in Dallas. But is his role going to grow? Because when he's been out there, when he started, when he's been able to catch the ball in space, he's very elusive and very dangerous. 
I would think it would have to, right, Mike? Like, you, you can't watch Tony Pollard and say, nah, we don't need to get this player on the field, right? It doesn't make any sense to me. So I, I don't think he's ever going to become the lead back. I don't think it's going to be a 50-50 split with Pollard or Zeke. But is it realistic to see him get eight to t- ten touches every single week and maybe two or three out of the backfield or two or three out of the slot? I, I don't think so. Again, if, if Zeke ever goes down, Tony Pollard is an RB1. Right in fantasy, every single week that Zeke is not available, he's an RB one. I do think he has a chance to have some, you know, RB three standalone value. Uh, but yeah, I do, I do envision eight to ten touches per week for Tony Pollard. It comes down to a risk in our seasonal leagues because Tony Pollard is a guy who really sort of lights up there. His ADP is late. If you go zero RB, modified zero RB, and you want to grab a couple guys and take a flyer, like you said, the upside is certainly there. What about CeeDee Lamb? Uh, CeeDee Lamb really was was getting a ton of targets, really dominating the slot. He stepped right in, sort of leapfrog Michael Gallup in a way. I see a big year for CeeDee Lamb, but of course, crowded target share with Amari Cooper as well. CeeDee Lamb, super talented. Dallas lucked into him, and I bet the Falcons wish they would have drafted him instead of passing on him for a cornerback yeah. there, but it fell into Dallas's lap. What do you see CeeDee Lamb this year in fantasy and with the Cowboys? He's going to have a monster, monster season. So last year, in the first five games when Dak Prescott played, he was on pace to have over 1,400 yards in that Cowboys offense as a rookie. And that was with him not even playing 95% of the snaps. In fact, the the highest percentage of snaps that he played in the first five weeks of the season was 83%. I just don't see a way that the Cowboys can take him off the field this year. I think he's going to be in the 90 95% of the snaps. The Cowboys are trying to move him around uh, so he can play more on the outside, play in the slot. He is going to have a, just a, a fantastic season. If he stays healthy, I would be shocked if he didn't lead the team in touchdowns. I think he's a lock to be 1,200 yards, double-digit touchdowns this year. Yeah, very high on CeeDee Lamb for me as well. Uh, Amari Cooper certainly has produced, is a star-wide receiver, but I will say, Marcus, he's a little polarizing in the fantasy community. People get frustrated with Cooper. They feel he's not at that elite level. Some people, as we mentioned, like CeeDee Lamb, so they think maybe his stats are going to take a step back. The criticism come always struggles against top wide uh, top cornerbacks and matchups, but super talented guy and really a historic producer at the wide receiver mm-hmm. position to a start in his career. Talk about Amari Cooper. I don't understand the hate for Amari Cooper at all. Like I, I, I don't get it. So in his first year with the, the Cowboys in 2018, he put up 1,000 yards and seven touchdowns. In 2019, with the full season of Dak Prescott, uh, just under 1,200 yards and eight touchdowns. And then last year with <laughs> Dak Prescott, Andy Dalton, Ben DiNucci, and Garrett Gilbert, just another 1,100-yard season and five touchdowns. So he's about as consistent as it comes. I know that sometimes the week-to-week stuff can be a little frustrating, but – uh, I, I, I think he's one of the best wide receiver twos. If you can get him there right now in fantasy, even if he's your wide receiver one, man, I think he's pretty consistent. You know that he's going to be, he, he plays through injury. He's going to, to catch 90 something passes this year. He's going to average about 13, 14 yards to catch. And he's going to come close to that 1200 yard mark. I, I just don't get the, the hate for Amari Cooper. And he's a safe option, too. Last two years with the targets, 130, 119, had over 100 there combined with the Raiders and Cowboys back in 2018. So in a big offense with a big quarterback, very consistent target share. And last one, of course, is tight end. Because can Mm. all these offensive weapons be viable? We mentioned Zeke, Pollard a little bit, the wide receivers. Where do you see at the tight end now? Blake Jarwin coming back. Dalton Schultz, what do you see with with those two guys? Yeah, first and foremost, all these guys can be viable because I think the volume is going to be there and the efficiency is going to be there, right? I mean, we saw last year the Cowboys were throwing the ball 40, 50 times a game, and if Dak Prescott is completing close to 70% of his passes, you know, over eight yards attempt, yeah, all these guys have a chance to be viable fantasy options. However, I don't know who the tight end is going to be for this team yet. Blake Jarwin is still not quite healthy. The team hopes that he's going to be ready for training camp. I kind of think Dalton Schultz is just a better player. He's certainly the more well-rounded player. And I I, I kind of think that in this offense, Schultz might just be the better option. So I do think there's a chance that whoever the tight end is for the Cowboys ends up as a top 12, top 15 option. But as of right now, if you're doing drafts, I would probably stay away. And all of this adds up to the fact that currently an underdog fantasy 
Dak Prescott is the QB five and that Marcus may end up being his floor. If he's totally back to normal, which as you mentioned, it seems like he is. Let's flip to one of your other teams here that you're all over the Raiders. You know, Josh Jacobs is an interesting guy. Mm -hmm. He comes in as a rookie plays very well. Then we turn around and John Gruden's upset that Josh Jacobs doesn't get the offensive rookie of the year that Kyler Murray gets it. Promises at this point, and half of this, Marcus, is trying to figure out fact from fiction with coach speak right around this time of year. He said he's going to feed him. He's going to be a weapon in the passing game. That doesn't materialize. But he does get the goal line touches. A lot of changes in the offensive line. Where do you see Josh Jacobs' fantasy value this year for the Raiders? Uh, So currently in my best ball drafts that I'm doing right now, he is my highest owned player in all my drafts right now. And it's partly because of the, where you can get him. right? You're a lot of times he's available in that fourth round and I I just don't get it. Right. This is a guy that has back-to-back 1300 yard seasons. I think he's actually just a good player, right? He had 12 touchdowns last year. Uh, When he's healthy, he's almost a lock for 80 total yards and almost a touchdown a game. So I like him. I think the Raiders improved their offensive line this offseason despite trading away three big known veterans. Uh, they're going to run the ball. He's going to get, you know, 15 to 18 touches at least per week. I like Josh Jacobs a lot. I think he's in for a big year. Did go from seven touchdowns as a rookie to 12 last year and 13 to 15 games. If he gets those 15 games in, I, definitely he's going to get the goal line touches and he's going to be a guy who has value. Mike, can I say something really quickly? Uh, that offensive line last year was absolutely atrocious. I mean, they had so many injuries and they had so many guys miss time due to COVID. Trent Brown basically missed the entire season. Richie Incognito played only two games. Uh, Gabe Jackson was a shell of himself. So a lot of those big name guys that they moved on from, it, it, it sucks on paper. But Josh Jacobs' offensive line that he was playing behind last year was atrocious. I do think they have a chance to be better. If they can even be slightly better, I think you're going to see that efficiency go back up. Because he was at, I believe, like 3.9 yards per carry this year. I don't envision it being that low at all this year. It's a great point. Right now, Josh Jacobs is going on underdog in best ball leagues as the RB21. And folks, as Marcus said, his production is pretty consistent with the running backs that are in the same area as him, he is going directly behind David Montgomery, who really saved the season with a great, strong schedule and a great end of season finish last year. Mike Davis, who's switching teams going to Atlanta, which again, only has a small sample size from Carolina last year. He was very good, but we don't know how he can do for an entire year. And Travis Etienne, who's a rookie mm-hmm. in a three-headed backfield, according to Urban Meyer. So Jacobs does have value where he's going. His backfield teammate, Kenyon Drake, I just have a gut feeling here that Kenyon Drake can be very involved in this offense. Kenyon Drake, pretty much a pass catcher in Miami, not a lead back, then goes to Arizona, is supposed to be the lead back, and was third last year with rushes inside the five-yard line, just didn't convert a ton. Sort of was out of the passing game. Chase Edmonds did more. Now he comes in, and it looks like, Marcus, he's going to be more of the third-down receiving back, Mm -hmm. which may be a better role for him. Kenyon Drake, another sort of later-round running back that's available. What do you think about him? Yeah, I don't think he's a bad option either because I do think there's touches available to him because we saw last year, you just look at even like Jalen Richard had 20 receptions and 20 carries. I mean, not a ton, but I don't think he's going to get that work. Devontae Booker uh, had 17 receptions and almost 100 carries. So I think the offense is going to run through these two guys. Drake is certainly going to be more inconsistent week to week. Um, It's going to be a little bit more of a matchup play. But if you are in a best ball draft and you're just looking for – three or four usable weeks out of the year for Kenyon Drake. I, I do think there's some value there. Hey, Rotoviz radio listener. This is Curtis Patrick from the dynasty command center podcast. And I've got a special deal for you today. Go to rotoviz.com, click the subscribe button, put the 12 month subscription in your cart and use promo code RV radio 2021. That's RV radio 2021. And you're going to save 10%. Taking advantage of this deal, getting your hands on what's included in the package is the best way to enhance your performance this year. So go to rotoviz.com and subscribe now. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data 
and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Henry Ruggs goes first last year, first wide receiver off the board, then has a disappointing year, although Marcus probably one of the most memorable catches in that mm-hmm. late connection with Carr against the Jets that in essence knocked the Jets at the first overall pick. But you have him, you have Brian Edwards, and of course they have now have John Brown, deep threats here surrounding Derek Carr. Talk about those receivers. Are we going to see the rugs break out? Is Edwards going to step forward after a lot of preseason hype? And are we forgetting about John Brown, who in fantasy drafts is the third receiver available very late here? Talk about that wide receiving core. I would stay away from these guys if I was in drafts right now. Uh, Last year, the Raiders had the second fewest wide receiver targets in the NFL, 14.9 per game. That's just not enough to get any consistent value, right? I know Ruggs was really efficient, and I know there's a lot of people like Brian Edwards, including myself. Um, but I just there's just not going to be enough targets, right? This offense is a run-first offense that is, goes through Darren Waller in the passing game, and then when they get to third down, it's Hunter Renfro. Everybody else is just a complementary piece. And some players have a bigger role. Henry Ruggs, Ruggs is going to take the top off the defense but he's not somebody that you can rely on from a fantasy perspective. So stay away from all of them unless the only one that's intriguing to me is Ruggs and his ADP really drops, but where he's at right now, I'm out. You know, it's very funny about Hunter Renfro. His preseason receiving total was something like high sixes, high 600s. And a lot of people jumped on that right away. Hunter Renfro last year, 56 receptions, 656 yards. I did not bet that, Marcus, but there would have been a sweat with Hunter Renfro. He does get some decent targets here and is productive in this offense, no? Yeah, and I think, I mean, we're going to see him average four or five targets a game at least on those, you know, third and six, third and sevens. And again, there's just not enough targets to go around if the receivers are only accumulating 15 total per game. The Raiders want to be a run-first offense. They want to grind out the clock. They want to play a very slow, efficient style of offense. Uh, and these are typically the offenses that we want to stay away from fantasy unless we're taking the running backs. Well, the reason that there are limited targets going to the wide receivers is because Darren Waller mm-hmm. gets a ton of targets. And I feel he is in the shadow of Travis Kelsey. What you see in either underdog, FFPC, best ball leagues, Travis Kelsey going top four, top five. And then Darren Waller's available sometimes in the second round. Last year, 107 receptions. That's more than Kelsey. 145 targets, almost 1,200 yards, nine touchdowns. Are we not giving Waller the credit he deserves? And is he in that Travis Kelsey tier for fantasy? I'm not sure if he's in the Travis Kelsey tier, but he is certainly a better value because uh, I've got him sometimes in the early third round. Like there's been times in underdog fantasy where he's fallen – that far and it's just a, it's a great value because he's so consistent from week to week everything the Raiders have done on offense in terms of their passing game is revolved around Darren Waller getting him open moving him around in the slot keeping him away from press coverage they are going to do everything possible to make sure that he catches 105 110 passes a season because he's their best weapon on offense and I don't see that changing anytime soon one of the best values in fantasy. I agree. You get an early, you get a sort of middle pick there. You can grab a top running back and then come back with Waller and really have set yourself up here before you dive into the wide receivers. Yeah. If you could go, I mean, even if you could pick it like three or four, there's a lot of times where he'll be, he'll be available to you at the, you know, at the back end of the second round. I think that's a fantastic start. Crazy value. I totally agree on your margarita salt or no salt here, Marcus. I'm not a margarita fan. I just, I, something with tequila. I'm just not a, not a fan. 
Yeah. Uh, the tequila bothered me back from my 21st birthday. So I have no problem with that. I like them, but the salt or no salt has been sort of a, a hot, uh, hot topic here. Connor, I, I feel like about... salt, I would be a salt person if I like margarita, but I'm just not. That's fair. That's fair. So what's your choice in the summer? I got to ask you, if you're lounging by a pool or something, what's your drink of choice? Ooh, so honeymoon was like 50 uh, pina coladas. I mean, oh, that's that's, that's why I, I always go back to the pina coladas, but uh, I had a nice blue Hawaiian yesterday. Those were good. I, I like some pineapple uh, pineapple juice and coconut rum is always great. Uh, I, I'm all summer drinks. I totally agree. My honeymoon, all I did was point at the guy and put my finger in the air, spun it around. I had a pina colada with me within minutes. Totally agree. <laughs> and, uh, do you like the dark rum or do you like the light rum when you're pina colada? Oh, I like the light rum. I like the light rum with the coconut. Absolutely. The old uh, Malibu. Malibu rum. Absolutely. Malibu. See, I, I can go either way. I think in Jamaica, it's Appleton rum. I think is what they have. Yeah. Uh, but I, I'm, I'm good with any. Yeah, when in Rome, right? They totally agree. <laughs> you know we're zero RB fans here at Rotoviz. We call it modified zero RB, which some people say is jumbo shrimp on Twitter. But the point is that you start with a lead running back and then you hammer wide receiver and maybe even tight end. You put a uh, best ball draft that you did up there recently where you went robust mm-hmm. RB. Talk about it. Looks pretty damn good to me, though. Yeah, I mean, this is the, the fun time of the offseason where you get to try out different builds. And at Underdog Fantasy, you can do drafts for, what, $3? And it just it's fun to try these out so as we get closer, you have an idea of how you want to draft. I really like the, the RB, 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 RB start. Now, I made a mistake here. I, I took a couple too many running backs, but the value was just too good on Javante Williams in, in most start. But I do think there's a lot of value at wide receiver after the first – 50 picks or so in this, in this draft, I was able to grab like Kenny Galladay and Jerry Judy, I think in like the sixth and seventh round. I think that's absolutely phenomenal. I think this is something I'm certainly interested in, but yeah, when you, when you take six basically running backs in your first eight picks, that's, that's maybe one or two too many. You talked about Javante Williams. That's bothered me because like you, I'm doing best ball dress left and right. And I ended up taking a running back early in a lot of them and hammering wide receiver. And for some reason, around eight or nine, I ended up with Melvin Gordon. And I was mm-hmm. against Melvin Gordon. But you start saying, you know, maybe he's not a cut candidate. Maybe he'll start the year off strong and they'll they'll sort of ease Javante Williams in. But what I'm seeing on social media, that is not the case. It looks like Williams yeah. could be the start of week one, no? Well, it also sounds like Melvin Gordon's having a nice camp as well. And it, it it seems like we're leading to just a complete mess of a backfield, right? And where maybe Melvin Gordon is a starter, but Javante Williams is the closer. And maybe Gordon is on the field in passing situations because he's the better blocker. I don't know, but I do think I want part of this offense because I still believe, Mike, that by the time we get to September and October, it's not going to be Drew Locke who's the quarterback there in Denver. I think it's going to be Aaron Rodgers and – Listen, I'll ask you this one. If we knew Aaron Rodgers is the quarterback right now of the Denver Broncos, how much does that change all of these running backs' value? Like, do they all shoot up two rounds? I'll tell you this. I'm ignoring everything that people are saying about, you know, Drew Locke and the concerns. I am operating as if they receive, at a minimum, solid quarterback play from, like, a Teddy Bridgewater. Sometimes in my best ball drafts, I'm grabbing Locke and Teddy Bridgewater because they're so late. I mean, FFPC, FFPC drafts, you can get them around 24, 25. So I'm just grabbing both of them. And look, it could be Aaron Rodgers. If Aaron Rodgers goes there, this team is a Super Bowl contender already. The defense is elite. The receivers are tremendous. Did we forget about Cortland Sutton? He's coming back. Mm-hmm. No offense, one of the most athletic tight ends in the league. The offensive line is improved. So I think they're a Super Bowl contender. If Rodgers goes there, I think that raises the value of everyone. And I'm operating in my drafts as if they're going to be good regardless. Jerry Judy, I've got him in almost every draft that I've done. Because if Aaron mm-hmm. Rodgers goes there, oh my goodness. I think Judy's a value right now. Regardless of Aaron yep. Rodgers comes to Denver or not, because I do, I just can't imagine that Drew Locke is going to be the quarterback again for this team. They can't go into the season with Locke, right? Mm-hmm. And Bridgewater does seem like the quarterback that would make the most sense with Judy, right? Because he's somebody who, if a receiver's open, he's going to get them the ball. Yeah. Well, do you know what Jerry Judy does? He gets open yep. a lot. So I, I think Judy's a good value. I think that whole offense is undervalued right now because we're just in limbo at quarterback. I do expect them to have much, much better uh, quarterback play at some point this season. Totally agree. I'm trying to pounce on the uncertainty here because that team is – I think they're going to be very, very good. 
Tua Tagovailoa throws five interceptions in a monsoon and social media erupts. Twitter all over the place. I don't really give a darn about his interceptions. I think the guy's going to be really strong. Last year, he comes in, takes over for Fitzpatrick. Not a lot of time to acclimate. Not that many weapons, right? Just Devontae Parker, who it looks mm-hmm. had his one contract year, and that may be it for the rest of his career. But talk about Tua. Where do you rank him with those Dolphin wide receivers in the prism of best ball right now or redraft? Either one. How do you look at Tua and the Dolphins? So first and foremost, I don't understand why people are getting upset about Tua throwing uh, what, four or five interceptions in practice. Because if you've ever been to these OTAs and minicamps, this is what quarterbacks do. Because this is the time for a quarterback to figure out what he can and can't do on a field, yep, right? Yep. There was a practice, I believe it was two or three years ago, that I was at with uh, Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. He might have thrown nine interceptions in a practice, but nobody cares because it's Aaron Rodgers. He was just trying to see what he could get away with in a game, yeah, right? Yeah. Trying to throw back shoulder th- you know, fades with two guys on you know, Devontae Adams. It doesn't matter at this stage in the offseason. I actually kind of like it that he's being aggressive and trying to fit in throws. Yes, so yes. This is not discouraging to me at all. Now, ranking the Dolphins receivers is really, really tough um, because there's just a lot of them, right? Between Devontae Parker, Will Fuller, Jalen Waddell, uh, then Mike Gusecki. All I know is I want Will Fuller. That, that's the guy I want. I know he's suspended week one, but Will Fuller, when he's healthy, gives you, what, at worst, wide receiver two production. Um, I think he's actually a great fit with Tua. I think he's going to hit multiple big plays down the field. And right now, he's pre- he's pretty cheap uh, in, in your underdog fantasy drafts. I believe he's going at ADP 80 or 81. Uh, that's the guy I want. Yeah, and Will Fuller last year, the suspension happened. So then, of course, we have recency bias. People forget about him. Let's remember, folks, that from week three until week nine, all Will Fuller did, like Chris Carter, was catch touchdowns. A touchdown <laughs> every single week. And then week 12 against Detroit – before he's done for the year. Overall wide receiver, 271 receiving yards and two touchdowns for Will Fuller. When he's on the field, he produces, and this is all good stuff for Tua. I have to admit, Marcus, I have an issue with the Jalen Hurts ranking. I think Mm. people are being too myopic here. They're saying Konami code, he rushes, he's going to be good. I don't know if if it's that easy. They don't like Daniel Jones, who also runs. I know he fell there in the game on national TV that he didn't get the end zone. And, of course, Lamar Jackson, no one runs more than him. It seems like the Jalen Hurts people poo-poo Daniel Jones and then don't give credit to a Lamar Jackson resurgence. Am I missing the boat on Hurts, and how do you see those other quarterbacks with the Konami code? Is it really just as simple as if they run, they will produce? Or do you have to have a certain amount of skill as a passer in order to really overcome really supplement the the rushing ability. So I'm kind of with you. I own zero zero shares of Jalen Hurts right now. Zero. Zero. Yes. And it's partly because of the cost right now. Like the quarterbacks going after Jalen Hurts are like Joe Burrow, Matt Stafford, Ryan Tannehill, Aaron Rodgers. I don't worry about any of those guys getting benched because they can't complete 60% of their passes. You know what I mean? It's it's not that I don't think Jalen Hurts can have big games because we obviously saw it last year. Um, I just don't necessarily trust him as a passer yet. And then talking about Daniel Jones, for me, that one's simple. Um, Jason Garrett is still his offensive coordinator, correct? That's the problem. Yeah, it, That's it, the problem. It's Jason Garrett, right? And I don't trust Jason Garrett at all. They have all these new shiny toys with Kenny Galladay and Kadarius Toney. And the, the coordinator that I would trust least to use those guys correctly is Jason Garrett. I think that's going to be, again, a very slow offense. Um, I don't think they want Daniel Jones running as much as he did last year or the year before that. And again, Daniel Jones is somebody who, uh, I mean, the ADP is really nice because he's he's going after a quarterback 20, but there's still guys that I would prefer behind him. Like I actually like, <laughs> I would rather take Deshaun Watson and hope that he comes back wow. than Daniel Jones. Okay. Because if Deshaun Watson plays, I'm getting a QB1. I don't know if Daniel Jones is going to ever give me QB1 weeks. I, I just don't know. That's a really excellent point. And you you have the value. There's a lot of late quarterback value. I just can't get to Jalen Hurts at eight. No. He's ahead of Tom Brady. I understand John Brady's immobile. But we saw the guy put up big games, four touchdowns, five touchdowns. I love Matthew Stafford, Marcus. He's one of my favorite quarterbacks to get. We're taking Jared Goff out, and we're putting Matthew yes. Stafford in there. He has D-Jacks. He has Cup. He has Woods. Cam Akers could have a breakout, a great offensive mind. 
I would much rather have the less mobile Stafford than Jalen Hurts. Yeah, Matt Stafford is my uh, most exposed quarterback right now, uh, the most exposure at the quarterback position. Um, I, I think he's going to have a huge year. I put a pretty big bet on him to win MVP. Uh, I think that offense yes. is going to be just absolutely insane. Uh, that The team is going to be very good. The Rams have never uh, won fewer than nine games under Sean McVay. Look at all those weapons in that offense, right? You bring back Robert Woods. You have Cooper Cup. They grab Deshaun Jackson. They get Tutu Atwell. Cam Akers is, I think, going to be a star. Tyler Higbee yeah. in a breakout year, I think. Uh, I, I just really, really like that offense. Yeah, last three games, including uh, postseason, Cam Akers, 33 touches, Daryl Henderson, three. I think he has a chance to be one of the best values out there in, in fantasy. Mm -hmm. and, then, and then Lamar Jackson. So the MVP season totally dominates, 36 passing touchdowns, six interceptions, seven rushing touchdowns in 2019. Last year just didn't get the production that he had the year before, more interceptions, but still had the seven rushing is Lamar Jackson someone you can see who can get back to those top two, three quarterbacks? Or do you feel, listen, he has a high floor, but I would put him a notch below those top guys because they have some receiving up updates for him this year. I love Lamar this year. I think last year was just the season from hell for them, right? Between COVID and Mark Andrews was never really the same. And uh, Lamar was on the COVID list for a game against Pittsburgh. It, it, there was, I believe there was a stretch of like, 25 days where they weren't able to practice at all because of COVID stuff. Uh, I do think Lamar is going to have a, a bounce back season. And I don't think he needs to bounce back that much further to be, you know, a top two or three quarterback. That's, that's the great thing about Lamar, just a little bit more efficient in the passing game, a tiny bit more volume. And we're back to talking about Lamar right after like Patrick Mahomes is the quarterback you want to own in your fantasy leagues. You mentioned COVID just now. What are some things that you can't wait to do now that we're outside? We're sort of, COVID in the rearview mirror here. Give me a thing or two that you're saying, you know what, to the wife, let's get going here. Finally, we're, we're free. Uh, so first and foremost, going to the movies. Like that's that's the one that really hurt. I, my wife and I are big movie fans and we uh, we used to go to at least a movie a week and then we haven't been to, to one since COVID started. So that's a, that's a big one. Uh, the next one would be just eating inside at a restaurant, right? Like we, we've had to kind of pick our spots of where we've gone to, uh, gone to eat. I can't wait to just get a bunch of friends together, go sit inside in a restaurant, uh, hang out, have a couple of drinks, because that sounds uh, so much fun. And I think we're very, very close to doing that. Yeah, we are close. East Coast here. Finally, people are going back inside. I mean, hopefully it's going to be a fun summer. That's a great one. Although with the summer, you go outside. But just to come inside with some friends and have some drinks, that's what life is totally about. Yeah, I mean, living here on the East Coast, you know the weather can suck from time to time, right? So that's why yeah. I, I'm excited for like the, the fall and the winter when we're actually able to go inside and eat. Yeah, need consistency. Like we need a fantasy. Yes. We need consistency with our weather so we can plan our celebrations. Marcus, unrecognized weapons. I'm going to give you some lesser touted wide receivers who maybe are down on the depth chart on their current teams. And I'm curious to see where the upside is for them. How high do you think it can go? I've been touting Byron Pringle in Kansas City. No Sammy Watkins. Obviously Tyreek Hill. Yes, Travis Kelsey. We've seen Demarcus Robinson. I feel it is what you get what you get with him. But Pringle is an athletic, fast guy. Could really slide into a larger, tar a larger target share in Kansas City. What do you think about Byron Pringle this year? I know there's a lot of people that are excited about him, but I'm just not one of them. I think this offense, it's going to be such a heavy amount of the targets go to Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. And I think Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is going to get more volume as well. Yep. I think sure. McCole Hardman is going to factor in. Demarcus Robinson is going to be annoying from a fantasy perspective, right? Um, I, I don't know. I think there's going to be weeks where he looks good. I just I'll have no idea when to start him in your you know traditional season long leagues. I'm probably out on Pringle. Yeah, he's more late round best ball pick, but uh, you never know with those big productions. And listen, if Tyree kill a little injury there, mm -hmm. he could move up. But I understand it's 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 Mahomes and it's Kelsey and Hill. They're going to dominate the targets, and then from there you sort of roll the dice. But maybe a late round pick in best ball, you see how he goes with his athleticism. Sure. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a Kansas city receiver, right? There's there probably will be a chance for him to break out. Yeah. Cause the, you know, we always know Sammy Watkins is good for three touchdowns in some week. Usually it's week one. So, you know, yeah, all week one, right. Go to Detroit. Amaron St. Brown, talented guy has joined the lions. Not a great receiving no. core there in Detroit. Jared Goff, biting kneecaps, Dan Campbell. What do you think about Amaron St. Brown? 
I just have a hard time believing in a day three pick with suboptimal speed with Jared Goff throwing him the football is going to be much from a fantasy perspective. At least, or unless he gets a hundred targets this year, and I don't see that happening. Again, another receiver that I'm probably passing on right now. Yeah, I'm out on St. Brown. I, I I'm not throwing the the dart there. One of the RV favorites here at Rotoviz is Lavisca Chenault. In Jacksonville, new offense, better quarterback play. DJ Chark disappointed last year. Now they have Marvin Jones. We're big on Visca. What do you what say you? I am a huge LaVisca Chenault fan. At the game yes. day right now, Chenault is my wide receiver 19 in Dynasty. Right wow. I, I love him. I think he's the next DJ Moore. In fact, he's like 17 pounds heavier than DJ Moore, but yes. very similar rookie seasons. The only thing that's stopping me or giving me a little bit of cause for concern is where does Urban Meyer line him up? But, man, he's just their best offensive weapon. Like, it's it's pretty clear he's the best player. He's so good after the catch. You can use him out of the slot. You can use him out of the backfield. Uh, he had a really strange offseason last year because he was hurt. He had the – it was a core injury, I believe. Missed uh, the combine. Didn't have a pro day due to COVID. Then, of course, the, the COVID offseason messed him up. Came in and played pretty well when he was healthy. So I, I, I love Chanel. I think you, he's a value right now. I do think there's a good chance that he gets 1,000 yards and six or seven touchdowns this year. And preseason buzz, so you got to figure out whether you believe it or not. There are great things being said about Elijah Moore out with the Jets. Big connection with Zach Wilson. They have some wide receivers there. Jamison Crowder now restructuring his contract. But hearing great things about Elijah Moore could be New York's number two, number one wide receiver. What are your thoughts uh, on Moore out with the Jets? I was way more excited about Elijah Moore until like two days ago when Jamison Crowder restructured his contract and came back, right? Because I thought Elijah Moore playing in the slot 75 80% of the time just is going to be a monster. Now I'm a little, I'm a little skittish just because there's so many other options there with Corey Davis and Jamison Crowder. We'll see if Denzel Mims turns into anything. I like Elijah Moore a lot, a ton from a dynasty perspective. I'm probably out as a rookie unless I can get him in my season-long leagues later on in the year once, you know, once maybe the Jets are out of contention and they fade Crowder out of the snaps. Fantasy gamers don't like uncertainty. No. So players like Devontae Adams and Michael Thomas, despite elite performances year after year, are being suppressed a little bit in their ADP. If Aaron Rodgers was the quarterback, Devontae Adams would be going right in the middle of round one. If Drew Brees was back, people would say the same about Michael Thomas. But I use the Rotoviz Game Splits app. Looking at Devontae Adams, he's played seven games without Aaron Rodgers. And he has 91 with Aaron Rodgers. He's averaging 16.2 PPR points per game with Rodgers and 16.3 without Rodgers. Targets, 8.6 with, 8.9 without. You go to Michael Thomas using our Game Splits app here. 10 games without Drew Brees in his career. With Drew Brees, 18.5 PPR fantasy points per game. Without Drew Brees, 18.7. Targets also the same. Is the world giving too big a discount here on two elite wide receivers, Devontae Adams, Michael Thomas? I think in the case of Michael Thomas, absolutely. Because you mentioned, uh, you know, the splits there with Thomas. They're incredible. I'm looking at the 2019 season that he had right now where it was, what, Teddy Bridgewater for six games and then kind of a washed <laughs> Drew Brees at the end of that season. He averaged almost 108 yards per game that season, despite two different quarterbacks. Even last year, I know he missed a lot of time, but in the five games that he started, 438 yards uh, did look pretty good, whether it was Taysom Hill, whether it was Wash Drew Brees. Um, I think if Jameis Winston is the starter there with the Saints, I I, I do think he's going to be back to that 1,400, 1,500, maybe 1,600-yard season. I think it'll be the first year in his career where he gets double-digit touchdowns. I think Michael Thomas is a huge, huge value right now in fantasy. You know, I was on board Taysom Hill, and I'm trying to avoid take lock here because my argument, Marcus, was they used Taysom Hill last year when they had pretty much a Super Bowl contending team. But it does seem like they're going with Winston here. Maybe maybe uh, Sean Payton values Hill, but doesn't see him as, a, as an everyday quarterback. But I, I can't help but think if Winston starts with those interceptions, Hill's going to be right back in there. Probably, but I also don't think that Michael Thomas is completely unusable with Taysom Hill either. They're going to get him the ball, right? There's just nobody else in that offense outside of Alvin Kamara that they're going to feed the ball to. 
And Sean Payton's smart. Like, they paid Michael Thomas $20 million a year. They're not going to use him as a decoy. They're not going to give him only a couple targets a game. As long as Michael Thomas is healthy, I think he's a wide receiver one every single week. And if Winston is the quarterback, as you mentioned, how many weeks are we going to rank Thomas as the number one receiver for that week? Because I think it's going to be most. And I think that's what gets me the most excited. And, Mike, right now you can get him as wide receiver nine in underdog fantasy, yeah. which is absolutely insane. Yep, he, the, both of them are, are looking like screaming values for me. I agree. If you were on Fear Factor, what's the one thing that would cause you to say, you know what, I'm out of here? Yeah, heights. I, I, anything that has to do with heights, I'm out. Even like going up on my roof to take sticks off or whatever, I, I'm out. It's just always been a big fear of mine. I, I can do the eating challenges or the snakes or whatever. That, that stuff doesn't bother me. It's the, it's the heights is where I get a little terrified. Very fair. And then put, you know, like the old movie snakes on a plane, put heights and snakes. For yeah, there me. you go. That's, that's awful. Yeah. <laughs> awful. No, see, I'm good on a plane though. That's, that's what's weird is I, I'm on a plane. It's fine. I'm enclosed in, but it's like when I'm all out in open space is where I get yeah. a little uh, anxious. Very fair. Totally understand. Got a question here from Scott and Hasbrook Heights. How does Kenny Galladay's value increase or decrease? He's, he's going from Stafford to Daniel Jones. He was indoors in Detroit. Now he's outdoors in the cold. Kenny Galladay, where do you place him a fantasy prognosis this year in seasonal? Yeah, I I, I don't love Kenny Galladay this year. Um, I don't love Daniel Jones throwing the ball down the field. I don't love a lot of the routes that Jason Garrett's going to have that X receiver running. It's going to be a lot of slants on a lot of comebacks. They're just not going to target him down the field as much as they did in Detroit with Matthew Stafford. I don't know if the indoors-outdoors thing really bothers me at all. I mean, there might be one or two games out of the year where it's rainy and cold in New York. Um, but for the most part, I think the biggest decrease is just in the quarterback and the offensive coordinator. Marcus, I have a question here from on Twitter at Myers Horns Up. Wants to know about the Pittsburgh passing options. We have Deontay Johnson, who got off to a fantastic start until he had that issue with the drops. And then in that game, I actually had bet his over in receptions. He got benched for a while. You, of course, had Chase Claypool, who was efficient in the red zone. And then you had Juju Smith-Schuster, who had a lot of receptions, but not a lot of receiving yards. So where do you go here? Pittsburgh passing options. What do you think? It's tough because I think all three of these guys are really good. I also think James Washington is a good receiver. Let's let's not forget about him. But uh, they're also bringing back Eric Ebron. They drafted Pat Fryermuth in the second round. And then you got this basically call from ownership saying, hey, we need to run the ball more. Let's go pick Najee Harris in the first round. I kind of think right now, Mike, all of these guys are a little bit overdrafted. Like I think Deontay Johnson's going at uh, pick 55 right now in uh, underdog. Uh, I believe Chase Claypool is a little bit after that. Juju is probably the guy I want because he's going significantly later. I I just have a feeling that that what we saw in the second half of last year from the Steelers is what we're going to see most of this year. Yeah, and that was interesting to see about how the ownership was was talking about establishing the run. Listen, probably good for Najee Harris, yes. but probably not great for the passing game with a, with a quarterback in Ben who may be in his last year. Can I ask you a question about Najee? Because right now I'm looking at his ADP, and he's being drafted a lot of times at, you know, mid-second, sometimes even late-second. Do you anticipate by the time that we get to August and early September that Najee's going to be a first-round pick? I think we're getting to the back end of the first round. Yes, because listen, there's a lot of question marks. I mean, people are not into Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. We talked about how we both think he's going to have a big year because God forbid, Marcus, he does not score a touchdown within the five-yard line on the first game of his rookie season, (laughs) then everything else is terrible. So I think people are worried about Kenyon Drake with Josh Jacobs. So I think Harris having the, the touch share, they're not worried about Benny Snell. So I think, yeah, he's going to creep up because they're going to start saying volume, volume, volume. And I'm not so sure because I don't think it's the running back, man, as much as it's the offensive line, right? It's the offensive line. Yeah, that offensive line is among the worst five in football right now. However, we we know how this goes, right? Like we're going to get to August. Uh, We'll see a preseason game. Maybe it's even the Hall of Fame game that they play in. And Najee will have like a nice 10-yard run or a nice reception. And you're going to see his his ADP skyrocket. It happens every single year. Totally true. It's time for redraft lightning round. Give me the player you prefer in half point PPR formats at their current ADP. Start with the tight ends. He's rising like a meteor. Kyle Pitts, tight end four. Or how about Tyler Higby at tight end eight? 
I have a hard time ever picking against Kyle Pitts because he's my tight end one in Dynasty. But for this year, give me Tyler Higby. Wow, I'm impressed. You know, same thing with me. I was against Pitts. I thought he's being, you know, overvalued. But then with Julio leaving, I- I'm with mm-hmm. you, though. I like the value with Higby. I think with Stafford and the Rams offense, you and I are aligned. I, I think that's a good value there. Well, I think there's just a legitimate chance for double-digit touchdowns there because who else is going to eat the touchdowns? It's not going to be Deshaun. It's not going to be Tutu Atwell. Maybe it's Cooper Cup. Maybe. I I don't know. I just think there's a a big opportunity there for Tyler Higbee. Folks, go to Rotoviz Game Splits app. Look at Tyler Higby's stats when Gerald Everett was not in the lineup for those four games a couple of years ago, and you will understand why Marcus and I like him. Wide receiver, DK Metcalf, Justin Jefferson, two prolific wide receivers right next to each other in ADP right now. I like DK Metcalf. I mean, I don't think you can necessarily go wrong here, but I think Metcalf is a little safer. If you actually look at some of Justin Jefferson's production last year, I think it was like 40% came in the fourth quarter when the Vikings were just getting absolutely smoked. Uh, I think the Vikings are going to have a better defense this year. I think they're going to be playing in more neutral game scripts. And I just think that's going to take down probably the average depth of target for Justin Jefferson and maybe the targets as well. Next up, two running backs that have questions. DeAndre Hmm. Swift, RB17. We have Anthony Lynn talking about his A-back and Jamal Williams. They're flirting with Todd Gurley. Right now, Swift, though, big in the passing game, of course, RB17 or Miles Gaskin. People just can't buy into Miles Gaskin. He was incredibly productive. Some are worried that this was just like a Kenyon Drake one-year thing. I don't know. Miles Gaskin, RB25, or DeAndre Swift, RB17. I like Miles Gaskin. I think it's going to be a much better offense. I think the Dolphins are going to have a bunch of leads. I think they want to grind out the clock, and that defense is really good. So I think you're going to see a ton of you know, second-half touches for Miles Gaskin. And the other thing is he was good last year. Like when he played, he was very productive. The Dolphins did absolutely nothing to to give him any competition. Uh, I'm going Miles Gaskin. And in two QB leagues, two guys sort of unknown at this point, upside with Kirk Cousins, Sam Darnold switching teams. Also two guys, Marcus, who may not be vaccinated from their cryptic comments if you're into (laughs) such things. But Kirk Cousins, Sam Darnold, two QB leagues. Who do you like better? Yeah, it's Cousins for me. I do think Darnold probably has the higher ceiling. Uh, I just <laughs> Cousins knows that offense so well. He's got two receivers that he really trusts. If I'm looking for just a really rock-solid quarterback, too, that has basically no chance of getting benched, it's Kirk Cousins for me. Excellent. Chris Carson, Marcus. I, I'm calling this podcast Chris Carson Job Security. <laughs> there is really no battle behind him. People can say there is, but Rashad Penny now is coming up with an injury in camp. They love Chris Carson. They stayed with him through the fumbling problems. The guy's a workhorse. He looks in tremendous shape on social media. You know they want to run the ball. Russ was cooking last year for half the year. Then they went back to the run game. As long as he stays healthy, I think Chris Carson is a really safe RB for your fantasy teams this year. I agree. And they gave him a pretty sizable contract in the offseason. And I think they're going to want to get him touches. And I think right now he has an ADP of 33 at underdog fantasy. So after the first two rounds, if you just want a a really solid RB2 on a good offense, I think that's a good call. And where do you rank him? Who do you have him next to there? I mean, let's look at a Carson versus Najee Harris, a Carson versus Swift, a Carson versus, I don't know, do we get as high as Clyde Edwards Slayer? Where do you have him ranked? No, I I like Clyde Edwards Slayer quite a bit more. I like Najee even better than than Clyde, but... I would rather have him than the following running backs, DeAndre Swift, J.K. Dobbins, Miles Sanders, David Montgomery, Josh Jacobs. So uh, right in that tier after the the second round running backs, that's where I have uh, uh, our, our guy, Chris Carson. Which late round rookie pick? I'm talking in your dynasty leagues, rookie, let's say third round or later, do you think can have a big impact this year? So not one of the top rookies, you know, top running back or wide receiver, but a guy that you say, you know what, if things break right, could be a second mm-hmm. half league winner for people. I'm not quite sure where Josh Palmer's going. I think he's Ooh, outside yeah. of the first two rounds right now in your rookie drafts, but uh, that's somebody who is in a really good offense. There's only two receivers ahead of him in Mike Williams, who could never stay healthy, and Keenan Allen, who missed time last year. They took Josh Palmer in the third round. I think he could pretty easily carve out the, the wide receiver three role there. And in an offense that's going to throw as much as the Chargers will, I think he's got a chance to have some value. That's a great call because that offense is going to be lit. And if there's an injury there, Keenan Allen's got a couple years without an injury and Mike Williams make the acrobatic catches down the sideline. That is an excellent, excellent call. Love it. 
Marcus, great stuff. Last question, then we will get you out of here. I want the bold prediction. I want the one I'm going to look back in December and go, Marcus called it. What's the fantasy football bold prediction for 2021? Raheem Mostart is going to finish as a top 12 running back this year. Love it. In your so let, let me make the case before I go. Uh, his last 17 games, including the playoffs and including a couple games where he played like 20% of the snaps and had to leave, 1,500, over 1,500 total yards and 16 touchdowns. This is an offense that it should be really, really good. I know that Trey Sermon was drafted by this team in the third round. He's going to have a role, but I still think Mostart is the best running back on this team. Tevin Coleman is gone. Jarek McKinnon is gone. Jeff Wilson is out. I think as long as Raheem Mostart is healthy, which I know that's always a big if, He's the clear-cut RB1 on the best rushing offense in football. I, I, I'm taking Raheem Mostart gladly right now at his ADP of 80, and I'm not looking back. That is a brilliant call. It's almost like the forgotten guy because he's the veteran. They love Trey Sermon, but can he pass protect? I mean, there's a lot of questions. We've seen Mostert have a big, big year. You take him late, you can get off to a great start, and we know, Marcus, in fantasy, how important it is to get off to that good start, right? Yeah, and even look at him in the first two games last year. He, he had over 258 two, uh, yards in the first two games and two touchdowns. He, he got injured and he missed the next couple of weeks, came back. He had a game of 11 carries for 90 yards with three receptions and 30 yards, 17 carries for 65 yards, got hurt, came right back, and he was productive again. So anytime that he's healthy and on the field, you're going to want him in your lineups. And I just think that late in drafts, he's such a good value right now. Excellent call. Folks, Marcus Mosier did an outstanding job for us today. Game day NFL, bookies, locked on Cowboys, Raider Wire, locked on Dynasty. The guy knows it all. Brings it. Fantastic follow on Twitter at Marcus underscore Mosier. My friend, it is always a pleasure. Thanks so much for coming on. Appreciate it. Looking forward to the season. Oh, thank you so much, Mike. Like I said at the beginning of the show, I love coming on. I love what you guys do at Rotoviz, and uh, I can't wait for the season. Thank you for listening to Rotoviz Radio. Please rate and review the podcast on iTunes under the Fantasy Football Mailbag, a Rotoviz Radio feed. Contact us via email, rotovizradio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear what you think, so follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio and at Randall Rant. Make sure you tell a friend, and don't forget to sign up for a 10% discount on our podcast homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. It's a no-brainer, folks. Thanks for tuning in. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.